What are some of the basics that you recommend to folks about search engine optimization? Well, first and foremost, you want to have compelling content. If you don't have a great site or some reason why people want to come back to your site, it's going to be a lot harder to promote it. So really doubling down on that, trying to have great content is a huge help. And then after that, there's a lot of really creative things you can do. You know, think about all the hooks, all the ways that you can build buzz, get word of mouth, get viral sort of, uh, you know, people emailing each other back and forth about your site. Those are the things where you're going to get links basically for free. Welcome to episode 16 of the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast. We have an awesome show today. We've got conversations with Google engineer Matt Cutts, Web Hall of Famer Chris Tolles, a live Q&A recording from my presentation at PubCon, and a very, very special podcast of the week. So let's get to it. Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast, featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into sales. Now here's the CEO of 10goldenrules.com, Jay Berkowitz. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever and whenever this podcast finds you, thank you so much for joining us for Episode 16. This is a very special podcast. I just returned from PubCon in Las Vegas. The show is also known as Webmaster World. And this is the real nitty-gritty, real programmers who build websites to generate revenue. These are the superstars of search marketing. The sessions are amazing because each of these uh, experts share their second best tips and tricks. And then after a couple drinks in the networking events, you can get them to share their best stuff in a one-on-one. After all, this is the conference that was originally organized as a pure pub, no-con conference. And it was all about networking in the social environment. But it's evolved very nicely into a really well-run show put together by Brett Tabke and a team of amazing staff members, volunteers, and speakers. So if you're into SEM and you're proud to call yourself a geek, you absolutely shouldn't miss PubCon in 2008. But for this show, I'm going to take you live to the Las Vegas show. I've I recorded at least 10 great interviews and a bunch of recordings on the trade show floor where I highlighted the most new and innovative companies offering something that I hadn't seen before. For today's show, I'm going to pull out three really compelling discussions and a live Q&A that followed my session on creating and optimizing podcasts. Off the top of the show, I played a small soundbite from Matt Cutts and simply put, PubCon is Matt's show. He is the incredibly approachable Google engineer who's like a Pied Piper at PubCon. Every time he enters a room, there's a quick huddle around Matt. Everyone has one or two questions that's been on their mind about why Google did this or how come Google changed something on their algorithm that hurt their rankings. We had about a 10-minute chat with Matt, and we covered topics like website hooks, hidden text penalties, building links and reputation, subdomains versus subdirectories, which was a big question at the show. We talked about the defense of the black hat arts and what tools Matt is using personally to stay up to speed on the latest news on internet marketing and search engine marketing. We're also going to hear a discussion with Todd Malicote. He's an extremely bright search marketer whose specialty is building links to your site, something called link baiting. And we have another internet hall of famer, Chris Tolles, one of the founders of the Open Directory Project. If that isn't enough, we have a couple great call-ins, an amazing podcast of the week. So let's get the housekeeping out of the way and get to some of this incredible audio.
If this is your first 10 Golden Rules podcast, a big welcome. Each week we cover the latest in internet marketing, and through call-ins and interviews with amazing experts, we're going to make each other just a little bit smarter about how to use the internet for business, personal productivity, and fun. I record the show live in one take to Cast Blaster. It's a really easy-to-use software, and you get the show with a few little blips and bumps. We don't go and do any editing, but I'll do my best to make it nice and smooth. On December 13th, I've got an event coming up called the Specialized Information Publishers Annual Marketing Conference. And I'll be sharing the stage with the amazing Avinash Kaushik. Avinash is Google's analytics evangelist, and he's, he's the author of a brand new book called Web Analytics, An Hour a Day. We're planning a marketing meetup. We're going to have a dinner in Miami. So if you're in the Miami area, please get in touch with me. And I also promise I'm going to record some audio that night as well. Another event, uh, or another, another news, is the amazing Rohif Bagarva, the author of the Influ- Influential Marketing Blog, was blessed with a new baby girl this month. Big congratulations to Rohith and his family. Now, Rohith took a couple weeks off, and he opened his blog up to a bunch of guest bloggers. I was very honored to be on that list, and I wrote a special blog post called The Ten Golden Rules of Developing Your Personal Brand, all about how you can build the brand of you using online tools and offline tools and improve your career and life opportunities. I'll have a link to that in the show notes, or you can just search Influential Marketing Blog. As well, somehow, Rohith had a baby and took a couple weeks off, and last month he launched a new Amazon bookstore called UltimateMarketingBookstore.com, and he was kind enough to include our recommended reading list that was recently featured in the Wall Street Journal on this website. So if you'd like to know what was on my recommended reading list and what some of the other top bloggers and marketers in the world are reading and recommending, go to ultimatemarketingbookstore.com. We'll also put a link in the show notes. If you enjoy this podcast, please go to 10goldenrules.com or iTunes, click on the iTunes store and search 10 Golden Rules and subscribe to the show for free. It's really easy with iTunes. iTunes is a free software, of course. And every week you'll get an update of the show in your iTunes. And if you have an iPod, you can connect. But you really don't need an iPod to enjoy iTunes or podcast subscriptions. Most important, please join the conversation with us on this podcast. Call our free digital recording line at any time. The number is 206-888-6606. Go ahead and mention your website or your podcast. Share an opinion, ask us a question, and we'll include your comment on a future show. And I have a special request for this month. Please give us a call with your predictions for what you think the big stories for marketing and the internet will be in 2008. I will gather everybody's input and we'll play a prediction show at the start of the new year. What do you think is going to happen? What's happening in internet marketing? What's going to happen in search? I'd love to know what you think. Please give us a call, 206-888. 6606. It's really easy to call in. It's completely automated. You can call it any time of the day or night. The system called k7.net digitizes your voice and emails me an mp3 of the file. Then I can just drop it in the show. So here's our first call in from Len Edgerly. I'll show you how easy it is to do. Hi Jay, this is Len Edgerly calling. I just heard your latest podcast where you were interviewed Andrea and you had comments from the conference. 
Terrific stuff. I really like the give without remembering, receive without forgetting, and if you're on time, you're late. I also enjoyed the little brief profiles of the people at the conference because it gave such a texture of the kinds of work people are doing these days related to the Internet, and I found that fascinating. So I think your show has a good mix of kind of sustained planned conversation that you prepare for and these snippets from your travels. So you do a terrific job of getting the most out of your travels and going to all these conferences. So thanks. Enjoy meeting you at PodCamp Boston and enjoy following your podcasts. My stuff is at lenedgerly.com and I've got a couple of podcasts, the Audio Pod Chronicles and the Video Pod Chronicles. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Len. For those of you new to the show, Len Edgerly was at our presentation at PodCamp Boston. And at the start of the show, he started sending out Twitters that we were doing this, we were doing that, we were talking about this. And as he did, the room filled up and there was standing room only at the back of the room. Thanks, Len. I wish I could take you on the road with me everywhere I go. Len covers a range of really intellectual content at AudioPod Chronicles. In show number 47 that I just listened to, he featured web luminaries such as Jeff Pulver and Steve Garfield. We'll have a link to AudioPod Chronicles in the show notes. Our next call is from Amanda Mooney and Amanda Gravel. They're two very bright social media specialists that I also met at PodCamp Boston. And on show 14, they called in and they asked our listeners to contribute to a list they were building of the top new product launches that took place in 2007. The survey received over a thousand entries and the list was published this week and Amanda and Amanda have called us with the results. So here we go with Amanda Mooney and Amanda Gravel and the top 10 product launches of 2007. Hi, 10 Golden Rules listeners. This is Amanda Gravel and Amanda Mooney from Schneider Associates, a PR agency in Boston. You may have heard us on the podcast a few weeks ago asking for your ideas about the most memorable product launches of 2007. Our agency, in partnership with Comscore, IRI, and BNP Media's New Products magazine, surveyed more than a 1,000 consumers across the country to produce a list of this year's most memorable product launches and highlight the latest trends in consumer behavior. The results are in, and Jay invited us to share our top 10 list with you. At number 10 was Listerine Whitening Quick Dissolving Strips. At number 9 was the Motorola Razor 2. Number 8, Subway Fresh Fit Meals. At number 7 was Diet Coke Plus. At number 6 was Oreo Cakesters. Number five, Ally Weight Loss Capsules. At number four was the Domino's Oreo Pizza. At number three was Febreze Candles. The runner-up at number two was Windows Vista. And at number one, the clear winner for the most memorable new product of the year was the Apple iPhone. Jay participated in our survey of social media mavens. He told us that Twitter was his pick for the most memorable product launch of the year. Although it officially launched in 2006, the site really became popular this year. Amanda and I have loved following Jay's tweets, so we were happy to see that this was his most memorable pick. Thanks, Jay. If you'd like to check out the full results of the survey, you can visit www.launchpr.com, where you'll find the report and Launch TV vidcast. Thanks, Amanda and Amanda. I think that says something about our society when in the same year on the top 10 list were Allied Weight Loss Pills and Oreo Pizza. <laughs> Definitely something going on there. Um, next up is Robin Heppel, and here we go. Hey, Jay, it's Rob Heppel phoning from thefuneralgurus.com. I just wanted to thank you for a great podcast there at 10goldenrules.com. 
couple things I really like about your podcast. First of all, you do is you take those strategies and you really simplify them and make them easy to implement in uh, anyone's online marketing efforts, uh, including an industry like my own. And uh, I also like the from the blog section of the podcast as well. I love the little tips from your staff. So keep up the great work. And uh, oh, and I have to say that it was great uh, hearing the little plug for Don Cherry there. I really enjoyed listening to the Grape Grape Live. Keep up the great work, Jay, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Thanks so much, Robin. Robin has a podcast focused on the funeral industry, and he's proof that there's a podcast for everyone. If you're new to podcast listening, I recommend going to iTunes. Click on the iTunes store and do a search for your favorite area, a hobby, or a business interest. Sort by most popular, and I'm sure there'll be a couple great podcasts for you in your area of interest. And if you can't find anything in your niche, in your hobby, you've just found a great opportunity and you should start your podcasting career. Robin also mentioned that he likes the Live from the Blog segment. This is a segment where the team at 10 Golden Rules does a great job digging up news on internet marketing and each week they record the most interesting thing that they've been blogging about on our blog. So let's get to Live to the blog, Live from the Blog. First up is Susan with a primer on Squidoo. Hi, this is Susan. My topic today is why you should create a Squidoo lens. Squidoo is a community where you can publish information that you know all about and share with others. A Squidoo lens or web page can be pretty much about any topic and can point to other websites on the web. Squidoo can increase traffic to a website by linking to your website from your lens as well as increasing your chances in appearing in search engine results since the site is popular. Modules are the building blocks of what makes a Squidoo lens. Modules can contain text, photos, YouTube videos, user polls, link lists, and feature products from Amazon. Squidoo lenses can also make you some royalty money or you may donate the proceeds to a charity by having an Amazon, Cafe Press, or eBay module. Squidoo lenses are pretty easy to create, but the best lenses are updated often and filled with interaction. My suggestions when creating a Squidoo lens would be Make sure you have an introduction to your lens, have at least two or three text modules, have at least three or four modules of media, include keyword targeted phrases, keep content easy to read using short paragraphs or bullet points. For an idea of what a Squidoo lens looks like when complete, you can check out 10 Golden Rules official Squidoo lens at www.squidoo.com slash 10 Golden Rules. This is Jeff. Recently, Facebook has gotten into a lot of trouble over their launched advertising system called Beacon. Beacon works something like this. Once you log into your Facebook account, and then you go to one of their advertising partners' websites, such as eBay, and bid an item, then your activity is published to all of your friends, such as, Jay just bid on a grilled cheese sandwich that looks like the Virgin Mary. Facebook, Facebook then collects all this information and then potentially shares, I mean sells this information to advertising partners. These partners would then be able to market these individuals with highly targeted and often very personal offers. Several large companies signed up to be partners of this program, including eBay, Travelocity, Bluefly, Hotwire, Overstock, Zappos.com, and many more. There were several issues with Beacon. First, that the program assumes your consent unless you tell them otherwise, in effect, making you have to opt out of the program. When thousands of people, with the help of MoveOn.org, started complaining about the program, Facebook initially did not do anything. It took them about a week to change the program. Then, to make things worse, it was about two weeks before you could fully opt out of the program. 
Facebook lost a lot of trust and respect from its users from this advertising fiasco, and they only made it worse by not acting quickly to fix the problem and address the issue in the media. Hi, this is Catherine, and today we're going to talk about how does Google create snippets for the search engine results. Matt Cutts, the most well-known software engineer with Google, recently posted a YouTube video with a great explanation on how Google creates snippets found on the search engine results. A snippet is a snapshot that Google shows about a website and consists of several important parts. Title. This information is gathered directly from the site's title tag. This is the only element of a snippet that you have direct influence over. Pay careful attention to what you put in the title tag because that is what everyone is going to see. Description. Google can pull this information from a variety of places, including your meta description, text on the page, or even your DMOS directory description. URL. The URL that the snippet goes to. For a more detailed explanation about Google Snippets, watch Matt Cutts YouTube video, which can be viewed alongside with other educational videos from Google at www.youtube.com slash Google. Hi everybody, this is Michael. And now that you have written your press release and it is optimized for those key search phrases, it's time to decide where and how you want your release to be sent out. There are several wire services offering great SEO capabilities. You'll want to send your release directly to the editors and then use these services to distribute your news to the search engines including Google, Yahoo, and MSN, along with several others. Here are a list of the top 10 distribution services. BusinessWire and PR Newswire are two of the traditional wire services that must be used by publicly traded companies. PRWeb has been great for distribution to the search engines. It could also be compared to the commercial distributors and offers some great features for SEO. MarketWire is becoming a strong contender for distribution services. It could get pricey for several add-on features though. PR.com is not just a site to distribute your news releases. PR.com allows you to promote all things business, such as products, services, and jobs postings. PR Leap is just starting at $10. You can have your release posted to the search engines, as well as the RSS feeds, along with Dig, Delicious, and Technorati. At iNewsWire, for $25 per release, you're able to increase your web traffic and increase your link popularity. At 247PressRelease.com, affordability is great for small to mid-sized companies trying to reach journalists and improve their visibility on search engines. PRZoom offers pr uh, prices between the between $99 and $399 and is distributed to major search engine and has an RSS feed as well. And last, ClickPress, all submissions are free and remain searchable in their archives inf indefinitely. Part of Press Ventures, they also offer free tools and media services. Hi, this is Margie. I've been working in web since 1994. Amazingly enough, that makes me an old-timer. Yes, I remember when Yahoo and Amazon started, and when AltaVista was the most awesome search engine, soon to be squashed by the rise of Google. So I've devised my own top 10 list of how to know you're a web old-timer. You might be a web old-timer if you got a really high score on Elf Bowling. Hearing the hamster dance song makes you nostalgic but mildly nauseated. You can't be bothered to switch to tabbed browsing. You can reference your own memory instead of archive.org's Wayback Machine. 
you did actually use and like Netscape at some point in the 90s. You might also be a web old-timer if you remember thinking, what does selling books online have to do with the Amazon? You couldn't afford to buy more than one domain name, even though the really good ones were available. You used Pine for email, ICQ for chat, or bulletin boards for user-generated content. You still use the browser back button instead of back navigation on the web page. And the number one way to know you're a web old-timer is you wonder why everyone keeps calling it Web 2.0 when you remember quite clearly that the whole point of the Internet from day one was to enable user-generated content and the sharing and exchanging of information. Hi, this is Rosie, and my topic today is international brand marketing and the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. The 2008 Olympics will be held in Beijing at a time when international focus on China has shifted from their politics to their economy and culture. It will be interesting to see how China uses the Olympics to join our global community. How will the Games affect China's censorship and control of the media and the Internet? How are they going to handle unfavorable publicity? I'm especially excited about how the Olympics will affect the Chinese market and industries. What opportunities will Chinese companies take advantage of? And how will they team up with foreign brands that are eager to enter their market? In terms of our business opportunities, what strategies and media will be best in engaging consume, Chinese consumers? What cultural preferences will the foreign brands play to? With reports showing Chinese Internet users currently at 162 million, how will the foreign brands use the Internet, podcasting, and video to reach this huge potential market? There are definitely games being set up for the 2008 Olympics, but not all of them will be played in the sports arena. Keep an eye on these big game players and definitely on all the international teams. Well, thanks to the team, it just goes to show you, 10 heads are better than one, and everyone contributes some really great content. There's no way one person could ever cover that range of stuff and do such a great job. Well, let's get into some of the amazing content from PodCamp. First up, I'm going to go with Todd Malicote. He was part of a session on link baiting, the practice of developing something so incredible on your website that tons of other websites link to you and make you more important in Google and the other search engines algorithms. This is a really sharp leading edge internet marketer. I hope you'll enjoy your, the conversation with Todd as much as I did. And here's Todd Malicote. Well, I'm here with Todd Malicote and he just finished a session on link baiting and he did an awesome job. I'll let Todd tell you a little bit more about himself and then we'll talk about link baiting. Thanks, Jay. Glad you liked it. I am Todd Malicote, a.k.a. Stunt Double. StuntDouble.com is, I guess, my claim to fame. I started actually in the Webmaster World community. That was my username. Did that and turned it into StuntDouble.com and just started writing there and kind of that's where I guess I got built some credibility and built some readership and everything else. Um, and then now I've worked with a handful of different companies. We build pages with Jim Boykin, phenomenal company. Um, I'm plugging everybody here. And now I uh, have been doing it on my own for about a year and a half and joined up with a couple other partners uh, at Client Side SEM, Aaron Wall of SEO Book, and um, Scott Smith, who goes by Caveman in the Webmaster World community, and kind that, of stays in his great. cave a little bit. <laughs> Explain for people what link bait is, and I, 
my podcast tends to be really basic, you know, the starter stuff, and then we get more and more sophisticated. So start with exactly what it is, assuming someone has no idea. Sure. Viral distribution for links, basically, is I think the best way to sum it up. It's the same thing that people have used for magazine covers. I, I really like the people lately who have been taking magazine covers and taking the titles and looking at the articles and saying, this is link bait. It's just offline link bait. It's the same thing, only it's getting people to link to so you So, like, you know, here's the 27 great ways to do something or the 10 best link baiters or what? Exactly. It's, it's the same old things that you see that draw people into a news program, into uh, buying a magazine, into the newspaper. It's the front page headlines. It's that stuff that really draws people in. That's the link bait. And then ultimately delivering on it to the point that people will link back to you. So it's, it's thinking of not only how do we draw in readership, how do we get the distribution, how do we get people's attention, but once we have the distribution and the attention, we have to take it a step further and make sure we deliver on our promise and show them what they're expecting so that they'll link to it and so that they'll pass it around so they'll make it viral. And uh, just an obvious question, but why do you do link baiting? It's it's the same. It's it's just another form of marketing. Uh, so n- not that over anything else. For me personally, and for a lot of people, if they do it correctly, there's really good return in it. Um, it's the highest return I've found personally. That's if you're doing it right. If you flop at it, there's no return. So just like anything, you got to really uh, study it studiously and and do well at it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if someone wants to get started link baiting, what are some of the best tactics for beginners? Sure. Um, Firstly, and I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit of one more reason that, that I've stuck to link baiting is because I started with link begging and link buying, which is way more difficult. And once you see a successful link bait, you go, okay, wow. This Would is... you mind defining link begging and link buying? Sure. Uh, actually, my first presentation, or one of my first presentations here was um, buying, borrowing, and begging for links. And buying links is just going out and, you know, cash for links kind of thing. Link to me, I'll give you money. Um, borrowing could be, you know, setting up an affiliate program and 301ing the links. You're essentially borrowing the links. Begging is just going out and, hey, I got this great content. Can you please link to me? I swear I'm a resource. Um, so, and, and it's tough, and it's gotten it's more and more work, tough. a lot of work, right? Yeah. And, and the further along we've got it and people get more and more link-begging messages, they're kind of becoming immune to it like they have ad blindness. It's the same kind of thing. They have link request blindness. Even if it looks really good, I most 99.9% yeah. of those go in the Yeah, we're all good bin. at deleting those. Yes. Yeah, and they're, and they're very annoying, yes. Nobody wants to give them any attention anymore. That's really what got me into link-baiting. And I think for back to your original question, how, where people should start is to go back and do that a little bit and see just how hard it is to link beg and then and and link bag a little bit and then create a great piece of content and try to link bag with that because link begging still breeds or still feeds into the link baiting when you put a piece of content out you still got to distribute it and you still got to send out some emails and ask for um, links to this good content so that it plays back into the link baiting it has a direct impact on the link baiting um, and it makes you appreciate the value of a successful link bait so can you walk us through a really simple scenario where you created some content, explain what it was, and how you went about getting it on dig and, and promoting it? Sure. Um, I have a private investigator client that I've had for years. Really great guy, does great stuff. Um, it's, it, private investigation sounds kind of scummy, but he's an awesome guy. He, uh, I think he won an award for you know domestic uh, aiding domestic violence, that sort of thing. Um, really great guy. And he put out the Cheater's Guide to Cheating. 
and and it was it was kind of funny and it was yeah, humor. That's funny. And, and it wasn't really I don't want to laugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it wasn't intended to be really how that that was the title because it, it draws people in, but the intention was to give um just kind of make fun of cheaters, you know, and say this is the dumbest. These are the dumbest cheaters. Oh, so it's I've like seen. the dumbest cheaters. Yeah, yeah. It, so it's, it was the cheaters guide to cheating. I don't remember the exact title. I think yeah. we had a little better title title than that. Um, but we pushed that out on Dig, and it did pretty well. So when you say push it out on Dig, put it on a website. Uh, had somebody. You really have to have somebody that has some friends and everything else submit on Dig. So you can't just dig it yourself and be a user with no friends and everything else. You have to have something to promote it, or you have to have people coming in to dig it. Uh, you have to have some way that you're going to get 50 to 100 digs to get it to the homepage and then have it be good enough that it doesn't get buried. Um, so dig's a whole other conversation for, you know, that could be a topic unto itself. But dig is generally a distribution channel. It's a good distribution channel for good content, for stuff that's catered to geeky nerds, you know, that really are into the yeah. tech stuff. And yeah, dig D-I-G-G dot com. Yep. Site that caters to technical stories primarily. Yes, uh, a lot of technical stuff, some political stuff. There's everything has a tie back to that. Like cheating wasn't specifically. I think it went to Offbeat News is where we submitted that, but it was entertaining enough that you know the the audience there was receptive to that. And then it gets on the homepage, and and a bunch of people start digging it, which is giving it a vote, right? A thumbs up. Yep. So if it gets on the homepage, then it uh, gets the distribution. More people see it. They decide if they like it or if they don't like it. If they like it, it stays on the homepage and more and more people see it and it's like the snowball. Um, as more and more people see it, some of those are webmasters. Some of them um, might be radio bloggers stations. Yeah, bloggers. Yeah. They might be radio station you know, disc jockeys. Um, it might end up on the radio from there. It just depends who's reading it. But you're hitting so many people because the audience there is so large that the idea is ultimately to get people to link to it just because it's, it's there and so many people see it. But in order to do that, it really has to be a remarkable piece of content. So you created a, a story, put it on a website, uh, link to it on Dig or put it up on Dig, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what's, what's the next step? From there, you just wait and, and hope? Or, or is there more steps? The more, I guess Andy talked about it a little bit in our session, the more people you can get on board to help you. So we kind of have a community of people that, you know, within the SEO community where we've built accounts, spend a lot of time uh, understanding the community, understanding what works and what doesn't, knowing what's going to get buried and what's going to get hate comments and what's going to get us banned from Dig and everything else, and, and not doing those things, and, and working with each other to, to figure that stuff out and to figure out how to push the message out and, and make it something that's worthwhile at the same time. Um, which is a challenge. You got to really understand the communities to get by and do that sort of thing. Any other tips for people who are, uh, you know, want to get a little bit more sophisticated? You know, if that's the beginner program. Um, give us a few of the, the the neat new ones that you're looking at. Sure. I think reading the hooks. So if people search for link baiting hooks, they'll find my site. They'll find Andy's site. Uh, they'll go through some of the ideas there. Those are really the best ideas. It's going to be hard to get specific ideas because if we come up with something really good, we're going to want to do it. <laughs> um, if we do it, or we're going to want to come up with it for a client or whatever else. Um, so at the end of the day, you need to come up with that stuff yourself. And by doing that, it's reading and understanding that community. Um, and in order to do that, it's reading some of the stuff that's been written, reading some of the success stories, um, talking with the people that have done it and been successful. And a lot of times in the short term, it's good to get a, a consultant who has an account uh, because even building an account is really, really difficult and you can spend a lot of time. I mean, when I was first doing building a dig account, building something successful to get su- stuff on the homepage, um, I was spending two hours a day, two, three hours a day for a month straight, you know. Just digging just stories. digging and stories and seeing what worked, commenting on stuff, adding friends. 
um, and it was a hassle. It was a huge hassle to learn, you know, to do that research. Just um, just to get the credibility in the dig community. Right, right. And and you have to do that. You have to do that or you're not going to succeed. There's um, there's a lot of SEOs that try to find line of having a reputation within the dig community as well as, you know, working on client stuff and getting the message out. Um, so it's dig doesn't like self-promotion. Dig does not like SEOs. Uh, so you really have to be careful with you, you try to find line there. Great. Well, the final question I ask everybody is just about web tools they use for, for fun online or for personal productivity. Are there any websites or any tools you're using to, to make your you're, life better? Or? You're going to let me plug even more, all right? <laughs> <laughs> more shameless plugs. Okay, you want the list? Um, <laughs> tools.seobook.com. Uh, webuildpages.com slash tools. Who's going to have the uh, Internet Marketing Ninjas program shortly? That's going to be pretty sweet. Uh, Solo SEO is one of my favorites. Uh, it's like Basecamp for people who've used Basecamp for project management for SEOs. Um, and by the way, I wouldn't plug anything that I wouldn't use myself. Uh, and most most of the people don't pay me anything for this. They're just friends and actually put out a good product that I would use myself. So these um, are products you can buy or, or online sites? A combination. SEO book's free, but he sells the ebook. If you use the tools, buy the book. Um, Jim's got uh, We Build Pages has some free tools. Uh, as well as he'll eventually do some paid ones. SEO Moz has some great tools, and as well as premium content. Solo SEO is a paid program. Um, most of the stuff you're going to get a combination of free and paid. Um, a good free tool, Xenu Link Sleuth, is a good one for. Which one's that? Sorry, uh, Xenu. It's X E N U, and it's. <laughs> Thanks a, for spelling that. Yeah, one, that yeah. one's a tough one. Uh, and if you just search for that, yeah. you'll find that it's a search simulation spider. It's like someone played a little game of Simon Says with yeah. me the other day on, on a podcast interview, and it just doesn't work in a, without <laughs> the visual. Yeah. <laughs> spelling Xenu, yeah. Some stuff just doesn't yeah. translate. Yep. Great. Any last thoughts or, or ideas for our, for our folks uh, about how to optimize their sites and build links? Uh, just get out there and experiment and read some of the blogs. Spend some time, you know, when you're first getting started, spend some time reading. Read the resources. Read the stuff that's coming up over and over. Um, there's what are the blogs that you, you read most frequently? Um, a lot of the same ones that I mentioned yeah. that are doing premium content now. You can you can get by on a lot of the free free content for a long time. And Webmaster World is an example. I learned there. I, I mooched off the free content for a couple of years. Then I decided, you know what, it's time to give back to this community, both in terms of what I've learned and you know monetarily. And and that's the way the good people in the community have always been set up for, you know, for a decade now um, to learn. Webmasterworld.com is a forum. Yes. There's, yes. A, there's a bunch of free, free content, and then you can become a paid member to, to get more content, right? Exactly. And, and wherever you learn and wherever, whichever community you embrace to do that, um, it's a good idea to give back both in terms of posting ideas and in terms of just you know, paying the fee for you know, all the free content you read for a long time. Great. Well, thanks so much, Todd. Your session was great, and this was fantastic. And we'll send you information once it's up and, and live. Sounds great. Appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks for letting me listen. Well, big thank you to Todd. That was great. Next up is Chris Tolls. He's one of the founders of DMOS, or the Open Directory Project. This is the most credible original directory on the web. It's still maintained by volunteer reviewers. A link on DMOS is incredibly impactful on your search engine results. Chris also has an exciting new project focusing on local media stories called Topics. So here's my conversation with Chris Tolles. Okay. Well, I'm here with Chris Tolles, and uh, th he has an amazing story. He's one of the founders of the Open Directory Project and uh, has a great new project going as well. 
Chris, uh, explain what the o- Open Directory project is and why it is one of the most important things that everybody needs to know about if they're internet marketers, particularly if they're search engine focused. Well, the Open Directory is still the largest human editor directory on the web right now. It's used by Google, it's used by, by Yahoo, it's used by AOL, and it's a very large repository curated by human beings of some four to five million websites with about 80,000 people st- you know, trying to keep an organization there. So if you're a website owner, it's great to get into the Open Directory because a lot of folks use that as a, as a place to get you know, their links or their... their um, it's probably the most important link you can get, right? It, it's, it used to be one of them. Google has deprecated it a little bit more recently. And the, the Open Directory has fallen upon some hard times with a lot of, uh, of sort of lack of care and feeding by the guys at AOL who actually own the thing right now. That being said, um, if you manage to wind your way through it, it seems like a link in the Open Directory is still worth something. And it's just a point of pride for a lot of people to get in there. And it's still edited by volunteers, right? And Absolutely. At last count, it was like over 80,000 people who had signed up to be an editor for the Open Directory. And, you know, whatever category it is, there are, there are people still looking at things today and putting on the sites. Yeah, Catherine, our search engine manager, is one of, the, one of the volunteer editors, and she does a gaming section. Tell us about Topics and your new project, and it sounds really fascinating. Sure. Well, Topics is a site dedicated to local news community and, and local voice on the web. It's a place that aggregates news from 50,000 different sources and gives people a chance to get involved by commenting on the news or commenting or even providing original stories or photos to their, where they live or a topic that they care about. And the, the interesting thing you said is really the, the news got very, very micro, very local, right? That's right. Because we're able to aggregate news and, and localize it down to the zip code level, it sort of start, starts as a seed database for people talking about their locality and putting in more original stories around that. So now we're up to 60% of the, the comments on the site are now original stories around these little tiny towns. And so we have daily commentary in over 1,500 towns every day. That's fantastic. And from a business perspective, how can businesses or search engine marketers participate with topics and utilize it? Well, certainly if you have a blog about what you do or if you have a news site about what you do, you should um, make us aware of the feeds that you have because we'll aggregate those feeds and categorize them for you into the topics system and then they will be put in our distribution network as well as on the topics site. Um, also, if you are if you care about a subject, you can sign up to be an editor, on much like on the Open Directory, you can sign up to be an editor on topics and come in to edit the category, whether it's a, whether it's a locality or a... Uh, subject of interest. So if you're running a, a site on um, you know, FCC drug approvals, well, we have a whole category based on that, so you should sometimes be an editor there. And if you're a, uh, a small businessman in, a, in a, you know, Douglasville, Texas, maybe you should become an editor on topics to be able to start you know, helping your community out as well as potentially let people know that you know, what, where your work is around. So you can have a link and whatnot on your site. For example... Yes. So, and, and you also recently had some phone calls from the FBI. Tell, tell me that story. Not the FBI, the Secret Service. It turns out that um, that uh, you know when you run a big community site, you got to be very careful about people who are threatening folks on the net. And the Secret Service takes a dim view of threatening certain classes of people on the net. So that's not one of the phone calls you want to take. Well, uh, it's, it kind of gives you faith in, huma- in in the government's doing something. And I think those guys are they're incredibly professional and uh, very very. Very confident. What are some of the interesting things uh, that you're discovering at the show or things, some of the new technologies? 
Well, I think the Facebook integration that was talked about on my panel was very interesting, and I think the, the fact that people are all, you know, all using this technology in this conference is, is just fascinating. The last question I ask is about any personal things you're using, any websites you're using, any technologies, and anything you're just doing for fun, any blogs you read. Let's see, a couple things. One is, um, so I, I, use, uh, I use Lookout on my Outlook to get a good search experience, which is like the application I think I use most, is just going through my email. How do, where do you get that? I do, I do a, a search on Google for Lookout, and I yeah. go download the app. It was an app bought by Microsoft, and I think you can still use it and apply it to Outlook. It's run, it was written by the guy who did Calabra, Eric Hahn, before he did... Uh, before he, what does it do? Just it's, a, it's just a great search facility for email, and it just plugs right into Outlook. Oh, so it searches Outlook like Gmail, you can search. Exactly. But uh, the other thing is, for as far as things I read, I read, well, topics, and I read for, for uh, the topics news on topics. I read Tech Meme, run by Gabe Rivera. I read uh, my old CEO, uh, Rich Screnna, has a blog, Screnna.com, which is always full of interesting insights. And I read Battelle Media, and I read paid content. I think those are the places that I would probably go first for keeping ahead. And then I read Dave Weiner's blog. So I think those are the things that I would, to keep up, that's what I would do. That's certainly the A-list. Well, Chris, thanks so much. Great presentation today, and, and thanks for taking the time to chat to 10 Golden Rules. Well, Jay, thank you very much for having me on your show. Okay, really interesting stuff. And um, one more, we've got Matt Cutts. He's an engineer at Google. In many ways, uh, Matt is Google's face and voice to the search community. He speaks openly and candidly at all of these trade shows. And on his blog, mattcuts.com slash blog, he covers, you know, real, real core issues that webmasters are trying to figure out. At the shows, everywhere Matt goes, he's hit with a bunch of questions from webmasters. And he's really generous in, in terms of his style and his personality. And he spent a few minutes with us talking about his background and how to optimize your website for search. So without further ado... Mr. Matt Cutts. I like so, it. So I'm rolling. So what have you, you got the EM audio? Yeah, it's great. Very cool. I like that. We're here with Matt Cutts, the Google engineer who's the unofficial, uh, I guess, celebrity of PubCon, or the very official celebrity. You know, I never get recognized outside of search conferences, so... It's so you enjoy to, it? It's you enjoy to, your week? It's fun to get back to work. It's fun to, to come to the search conferences, though. First, tell me a little bit about your background and tell everyone... Yeah. Uh, I was basically a grad student at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I was working on computer graphics and stuff like that, and uh, had to take a couple outside classes and ended up coming to Google as a result of that because they were search engine classes. So. Oh, great. Oh, so you took classes at Google? Uh, yeah, yeah. You had to take, uh, They were information and library science classes. So it was, you know, just like it was about search engines, and I enjoyed it. Great. And you want to walk and talk? So it was, very, it was in the early days? Yeah, this was in 2000. So I joined Google in about January of 2000. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, what, what are some of the basics that you recommend to folks about search engine optimization? Well, first and foremost, you want to have compelling content. If you don't have a great site or some reason why people want to come back to your site, it's going to be a lot harder to promote it. So really doubling down on that, trying to have great content, is a huge help. And then after that, there's a lot of really creative things you can do. You know, think about all the hooks, all the ways that you can build buzz, get word of mouth, get viral sort of, uh, you know, people emailing each other back and forth about your site. Those are the things where you're going to get links basically for free. What's a sample of a hook, a couple of really good ideas? Well, you know, they can be as simple as possible. There was one guy who literally... 
um, made a video saying the word Google as fast as possible. Google, 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 Google. And uh, we're, 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 we're just walking into the Google party. <laughs> and Matt went straight for the shirts. <laughs> you know, hey, you always look for the swag first. Right? So. So we have a um, Are You Feeling Optimized shirt. And I'm going to take one. Uh, are you feeling optimized shirt and we'll have a contest the first person to call in and say they heard this podcast we'll send them the shirt there you go that's see that's an example of a good contest hook it gets <laughs> word of mouth going people are talking about what you're doing it's a good way to do things i'll get you to autograph it tomorrow <laughs> well and it's a black shirt so if yeah. i sign it it'll be black <laughs> on black so i might get a hidden text we've been cool so um, you're, you're talking about really great idea, great samples of really great hooks. Yep. yep. Would... And and there was this one guy who literally just made a video saying the word Google as quickly as possible. Um, another good example is the Gmail team. I don't know why I'm on video, but here's a simple one. They said, "Okay, everybody, we want to make a Gmail video. So make a video where you go from the right side of the screen to the left side of the screen and send in all your clips." And what they ended up doing was making a clip of all those user-generated content. And, you know, everybody loved it. It got, like, tons and tons of page views. So sometimes it can be a really simple, creative idea, and that's all it takes. And that's about getting people to your site. How about getting links? They're so important. Talk about why that is. Yeah, you know, we do view links as a type of reputation, and so having that reputation really helps a lot. We tend to say, look, don't go chasing after the links so that you can get the reputation. Get the reputation first, and then the links will follow. And so if you come up with this, you know, good viral marketing strategy, the links will come for free because people are talking about it, they're chatting about it, all that sort of stuff. And as a natural consequence, you'll start to get those links. So something really cool on the page, on the site that people are talking about. Yeah, you know, I I once had somebody who did language translation, and they were not number one. And they wanted to know, well, how can I rank number one for language translation? And I looked at their site, and it was pretty much just a brochure. It was like five pages, contact us, about us. And if you looked at what was number one, it was how to write your name and hiragani, katakana, you know, all these different types of things. So there was a resource there. There was some reason why people would like it, not just have a brochure for their site. deep content. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing that can really build a lot of links and a lot of reputation for your site. What are some of the advanced things that people are asking you about or you're talking about this week? Some people have been asking about subdomains versus subdirectories. And, you know, should I go one way or the other way? And it's kind of a wash because historically subdomains have been a little better in terms of uh, you might have multiple well, subdomains. Can you describe so, that for the newbies as well? Sure. So www.google.com versus, is a subdomain, www, versus google.com slash blog, for example, is a subdirectory. And really, it's, it's kind of whatever's easiest for you. If you do a sub, subdomain, it's a little harder to configure. You have to set up your DNS, all that sort of stuff. If you do a subdirectory... It's easier to configure, but, you know, it it might not have quite the ability to rank in the top 10 compared to some subdomains. But we've actually been changing it so that subdomains don't automatically easily rank much better. So it's really whatever's easiest for you. This is one of my personal questions. We do a lot of optimizing of press releases Uh because we think the audience of, of a press release is no longer really the editor and and Google's your most important audience. What do you think about that? Uh, I think anytime you're making any kind of content, whether it be a press release, a web page, whatever, you don't just want to think about the first line of people who are going to see it, the news editors and stuff like that, the publicists. You want to think about all the regular people who can see it. So you'll have users who stumble upon that press release. So you don't want to just have a first line of defense. You also want to think about 
you know, if a regular person stumbles in, are they going to have the context? Are they going to have the background? Are they going to get the definitions? Or is it just going to all be acronym soup? And so that's the sort of thing that helps. Is there anything you've learned this week as, you know, you're attending some of the conferences as well? Uh, you know, I found a black hat who was really, really drunk last night, so I just kept asking, and then what did you do? And then what did you do? Uh, what's the worst thing you've ever done? Oh, and, and so that so was So you're very, learning the defense of the black hat arts. You know, it's, it's fun. I don't drink uh, at the conferences. I have Sprite, and the black hats love to drink. You know, they have drinking contests, and so I wait until they've had a few, and then I say, so, you know, what's working right now? And... Uh, that's, that's what I get out of the conference. My last question I ask everyone, are there any personal things that you're using on the web for productivity, efficiency, or just for fun? I love or blogs. blogs you read as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I love Google Reader because, man, you can just get boom, boom, boom yeah, down bad. through so many blogs. And they just rolled out the ability to drag and drop feeds and to recommend feeds. So, you know, I read a ton of search feeds, like 100 different SEO blogs. And there's still a few that I missed. Create a PC, search SEOocracy. And so looking at those recommendations, you can find out all kinds of things you should be reading but maybe aren't. So that's one of the first places I'd start. Well, Matt, thank you very much. Can I get a round of applause for Matt? Okay, well, thanks so much to Matt and everyone else who contributed. Um, really, really good content, really fresh stuff, and there'll be lots more to come in the next couple shows. As I mentioned, I have about 10 interviews. I have live interviews from the trade show floor. So our final content section is the blog or podcast of the week. Each week we feature a great blog or a podcast that sort of caught our attention, either a blog entry or a show on a podcast. And this week, the podcast of the week is a very special story. Hugh McGuire was in Montreal looking for an audiobook to download for a car ride he was planning, and he couldn't find any free content online. So he founded a website called LibriVox.org. LibriVox volunteers record books that are in the public domain. That basically means that they're not trademarked anymore. They're available to everybody. So they record these books and release the audio files back onto the net. The goal of LibriVox is to make all public domain books available as free audiobooks, and it's an incredible service for the visually impaired, shut-ins, and other disadvantaged book lovers. LibriVox, the free audiobook project, has just cataloged its 1,000th book, so congratulations to everyone over there. And um, the the 1,000th book was called Murders in the Rue Morgue by Edgar Allan Poe, read by Raynard T. Fox. So huge congratulations to Hugh and the volunteer team at LibriVox for an amazing project and for being selected as our podcast of the week. Here's a quick sample of a recent book from LibriVox.org. "'Twas the Night Before Christmas by Clement C. Moore, read for LibriVox.org by Brad and Grace Bush of Amazing Kids, "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled, all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar-plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter i sprang from my bed to see what was the matter away 
to the windows i flew like a flash tore open the shutters and threw up the sash Isn't that cute? Well, thank you for being with us to the end. We're going to play out with the song of the week. And if you're at our PubCon session in Las Vegas, um, myself, myself and Joe Laratro and Cindy Toretta covered um, how to develop a podcast and how to promote it and how to get it optimized for the web. Um, and so we recorded that session and we, um, we, rec we recorded the Q&A portion of the session. And um, let me get to that, and then we'll play out with the song of the week. Okay. Am I talking into your mic or there? Both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cindy, you said that you don't even do your podcasting in-house. What were the decisions uh, to outsource that? And a lot of my users and my membership base, the whole point of podcasting is like one-man show kind of publishing. And you, you do or do not? Yeah, I, uh, well, I, I do the Cast Blaster one-man show, and we're going to show you how to do it in a minute. Oh, excellent. So what was your, but what was your decision? The reason that we don't do ours in-house and produce everything is just because that's just the way it happened. World Talk Radio approached me and said, thank you, would you do one? And I said, sure. And so it just kind of happened that way. So there's lots of different ways that you can do it. You can certainly do your own recording like this, or you can hook up with a company, or you can use like, um, shoot, uh, TalkShoe is also a, a good resource to go and look. And you can actually um, do your recording as you log into TalkShoe, you do your recording and everything, you hit the button and publish, and there it is, kind of like what you use. And I think Blog Talk Radio is another one where you can just call in a show and create a live yeah. podcast. So there's lots of ways to create podcasts. Um, it's just whatever works for you. Do you think there's any benefit in the world that listens to podcasts to doing them live rather than editing them and producing them? That's a great question. For me, my schedule is kind of crazy. It's m much more flexible that I the call-ins on k7.net, and then I produce the show when I get time. Generally, it's like a Sunday morning or something like that. So for me, it's a flexibility issue. If I was tied to Wednesdays at 3 o'clock, I'd, I'd probably miss every second show. I think that um, when you're developing your community and you have listeners and you, you know all that, if you do it right, doing it live can be really valuable because people become engaged and, you know, you really get that sense of community. Otherwise, like what Jay said, it, it just depends on flexibility and that. But so, so, yeah, it depends. I mean, the beauty of the recorded show is you can listen anytime. I listen when I commute, when I'm driving somewhere, when I walk my dog, when I'm working out. I love the flexibility that I'm learning and getting these incredible sound bites, these incredible entertaining business experiences and, and also music podcasts and personal things, so... I love the flexibility of listening anytime. Even Cindy's show that she does live is then available eternally. I had a question about the music, because as I was starting to put one of these together, I found this little song, Come Saturday Morning, which is what I wanted to use uh, for my theme, and then somebody came up to me and said, you're liable to get sued over that. Is that something that you can find from these people that you've listed and how much do they charge you to use that and do you have to pay it weekly or is there a flat fee to use it 
I use the Podsafe Music Network, and it's totally free for podcasters. The artists will put maybe two, three songs of an album on the Podsafe Music Network, and they're hoping you're going to promote your show. And you're supposed to put links to their Podsafe page and or their MySpace page or wherever their website's housed in exchange to sort of promote them a little bit. And I think it works great. They give me a song, I promote them, I put a link, and everyone's a winner. What I understand is that you found something that you really like, and you want to use that. It was done by the Sandpipers come Saturday morning. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, ideally, you would contact them and work out some sort of an arrangement if you were really bent on using that. Now, if they said, okay, sure, you know, has 50000 a year sound, and you went, <laughs> I don't think so, then you go to the pod seat. Hi, Dina, Freebird Media. I'm wondering what your uh, favorite mic is for a podcast. It is, and you know what? There's so many different um, different mics out there, and, and since we record in a studio, we use whatever studio mics they have. Most of the people that I've talked to that do their own thing, they either do it at their computer, and there is a Plantronics headset mic that is recommended and really good, and also Shure, S-H-U-R-E, makes a lot of great audio equipment and um, I'm using a Logitech USB headset mm-hmm. and it works like a charm plug it in yeah Chris Cata from Spark Internet Marketing my question is uh, do you have any tips on recording Skype calls it, it has gotten better there are some issues with it it depends on the time of day you know bandwidth if it's at a, a heavily used time of day then you're going to have issues and we have had problems with that and I just downloaded the tool called PowerGrammo, and it allows you to do co- recorded conference calls because Skype won't record a call. Oh, what was that called? PowerGrammo, G-R-A-M-M-O. Hi, Monty, Promopeddler.com. We're starting a marketing podcast, just marketing in general, and um, we've got a site designed for marketing tips and such, and we're using Joomla, and we're thinking about doing a plugin that allows you to host your podcast and kind of automates all the things that you need to do, like uploading it and tagging it and all that. Is there anything you recommend? There's a bunch out there, and I don't know which one to choose. Um. Any suggestions out here? Oh, Drupal. I've heard. Drupal? Okay. Okay, so that's the live Q&A. Just thought it'd be interesting to hear the the sort of live nature of the uh, live presentation we did at PubCon. So without further ado, let's wrap the show up with the song of the week. And as I mentioned, in the session um, at PubCon, we semi-produced this show. So we did a demo of how we would produce this show. We uh, did it a little quickly for time. We didn't try and do the show live. And if you were in the session, one of the things we did in the prep is we selected the song of the week. And we did a playoff between P.J. Devlin and a band called Semi-Precious Weapons. And P.J. Devlin won about 80% of the votes. They're a U.K.-based band. Their influences include the Beatles, Green Day, and Led Zeppelin. And like all of our music, it comes to us from the Podsafe Music Network, available at music.podshow.com. This is a royalty-free music for podcasters, and um, we're going to roll in two seconds, so please call in this week with all of your comments and give us your predictions for 2008. Let us know what you think is going to be really, really hot in the internet marketing space in the coming year. Call-ins go to 206-888-6606. Have a great week, everyone. Here's PJ Devlin with Tears Don't Last Forever.
Thank you for listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast. Please send comments and questions to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That's podcast at 10goldenrules.com. Or use our call-in line 206-888-6606. Podcast is produced with Cast Blaster.